Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is June the 23rd, 2017. Summer is here, and and so is a lot of craziness uh, coming at us from all sorts of directions. Um, I always look forward to catching up with you at the end of the week um, to try to figure out what's going on, how we got here, and whether or not Rod Serling is writing the script, because things could not be nuttier. Uh, thank you for joining me. I hope you've all had a great week. And uh, again, as I always like to begin my program with a brief intro for those of you who are familiar with me, familiar with the program, this is old news. For those of you joining me for the first time, I welcome you. I thank you for being here. Um, I am a retired senior special agent of what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service. Today, that mission, at least in theory, carried out by the men and women of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, of United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, of the U.S. Border Patrol, and um, of the folks who are the inspectors at ports of entry working for uh, CBP, Customs and Border Protection. The first job that I had when I began my career with the old INS, I hate to admit it, way, way, way back in 19. 19- 71. I am a card-carrying relic. Because so much has changed since then. And one thing should be clear to everybody. Immigration is not the minor issue that so many of our politicians um, and special interest groups and corporate leaders, so-called, would have us believe. Immigration is the key issue. It involves national security and public safety. It impacts health care, education. It impacts opportunities for Americans. Basically, it is the singular issue in that it impacts all other issues that we face today. And through my 30-year career with the old INS and the extracurricular stuff that I've been doing, including testifying before Congress in Washington, state legislative hearings around the United States, providing testimony to the 9-11 Commission and other groups. I've um, since even expanded my understanding of immigration that my professional career with the government gave me because all that I've done since then has added to my understanding of the politics of immigration and to the little games that are played by so-called journalists by the pundits, by so-called political consultants. I'd love to know what the prerequisite is before becoming a political consultant. You know, we know what doctors and lawyers and engineers need to study so that they're qualified for their respective professions, their careers. What in the world do you study to be a political consultant? What do you study to become a pollster? Uh, There's a lot of chicanery out there. There are a lot of snake oil salesmen out there. And just like the snake oil salesmen of old, many of these folks are motivated by one thing and one thing alone, greed. 
and it's costing us heavily. Failures of the of the uh, immigration system is documented uh, and reported upon by the 9-11 Commission. Uh, it was clear. Immigration was the primary issue, the primary vulnerability that permitted the terrorists to enter the United States in the first place and hide themselves in plain sight, embed themselves, to use the parlance of the 9-11 Commission. We've seen it repeatedly. Uh, Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, came here on a student visa from Pakistan, ultimately got a green card, ultimately became a citizen, and about, if I remember correctly, 13 months after taking the oath of citizenship to become an American, he set off a car bomb in Times Square. And the news media and the then um, New York City Police Commissioner described him as a classic example of a homegrown terrorist. Homegrown, let's ignore the fact that he came here at the age of 20 on a student visa. Let's just call him homegrown so then we will keep people distracted and not give some serious consideration to how this piece of trash gamed the immigration system because this guy, when he was sentenced to life without parole because of his deadly terrorist attack, not deadly, thank God it wasn't, but this was planned to be deadly attack, uh, lamented only one failure when he went before the judge for sentencing. And what was his lament? That he didn't get to kill Americans. And when the judge said to him, you know, you became an American. You took an oath. He said, yes, I did. It was a false oath. I hate America. I don't need your freedom. Sharia gives me all the freedom I want. Now, we were supposed to do background investigations into people who become citizens. But uh, apparently, that background investigation left much to be desired. Not an isolated case. We saw the same lunacy with the Tsarnaev family. They got political asylum, claiming they couldn't return to their native Russia. And as soon as we gave them political asylum, they went back to Russia. You think maybe there's an indication there that they lied? And by the way, the 9-11 Commission made it clear that immigration fraud, lies committed on visas and immigration applications uh, were the key entry and embedding tactic. I did my very first hearing before Congress four and a half years before 9-11 on that topic because of two terror attacks carried out in 1993. And then we have seen it again. And, and I'm not rehashing old news because that issue is as fresh as yesterday's headline. So now let's consider an, an article that I wrote for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. And by the way, while I'm mentioning websites, take out your crayons and, and please um, write this down. My own personal website is Michael Cutler, B-U-T-L-E-R, michaelcutler.net. For years, I have been writing for CAPSWeb.org, Californians of Population Stabilization. I'll have an article out presumably next week on, on some of this again that we're going to discuss tonight. Um, I also write for The Social Contract, and I've been invited to blog for Newsmax, and I expect to be on Newsmax TV probably with my old friend Bill Tucker sometime next week. Once again, I've become something of a regular on Newsmax. And the cool thing about Newsmax and One American News Network and the Dana show at The Blaze, and this, again, you have to be an insider to know this, they don't do pre-interviews. All the other networks do. They call you up and they say, Mr. Cutler, would you like to come into the show? We're having a discussion about whatever the discussion is. And then they say to you, and if you were on the show, what do you think you would like to say? And if your thoughts, your concerns that you're planning to articulate on the air doesn't mesh 
with the narrative of that network's management, they very nicely withdraw their invitation. When I'm invited on Newsmax, One American News, or uh, the Dana show over at Blaze TV, no one asks me that. And what's remarkable is I've said to these producers, why is it that you guys do no pre-interview? And they said, because a pre-interview is censorship. We know you're a national expert on the topic. You're entitled to your opinion. Even if we disagree with you, we would not be good journalists if we kept the opinion of a nationally recognized expert from explaining what he thinks of what's going on, putting his perspective on it. The idea of providing people with an opportunity to be on TV only after it has been ascertained that you plan to sing the company jingle isn't called news. It's properly called propaganda. It's properly called propaganda. And speaking of experts, watch the other networks and ask yourself, why is it that when there are stories about most issues, murders, kidnappings, um, the space program, cancer research, they always find true subject matter experts to come in to talk. When was the last time that on the so-called major networks you have seen former immigration agents come on to talk about immigration? Why is it that Former FBI profilers are frequently invited on when the issue involves kidnapping. Homicide detectives who have retired from police departments are frequently invited to talk about shootings and murders. Why is it that when we turn to the topic of immigration, you don't see immigration agents? And the answer is simple. Uh, In uh, A Few Good Men, if you remember Jack Nicholson at the court-martial, Jack Nicholson's character, that um, commandant from the, the, the Marine Corps, growled at uh, Tom Cruise's character, you can't handle the truth. That's what this is about. Because immigration agents understand immigration. and God forbid the American people should come to understand immigration for what it truly is. This is willful. This isn't an oversight. It's not an accident. This is by design. This is clearly the goal, to obfuscate the immigration issue so that the globalists get what they want. And what do they want? No borders. What do they want? Flood America with cheap foreign labor. What do they want? An unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students. And what's the ultimate cost? Well, look at 9-11. Look at the Boston Marathon bombing. Look at attacks over in Europe. Look at the loss of wages and the loss of jobs by American workers, of gangs. Look at the influx of narcotics. Look at the loss of life. And not just Americans, foreign nationals in our country. People say you're anti-immigrant if you want to enforce the law. No, you're pro-enforcement if you want to enforce the law. When I was an inspector, I admitted many, many, many more aliens than I denied entry to. And the basis for denial had nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. It was about Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, the categories of aliens who under the law are supposed to be denied visas and entry. Aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who are severely mentally ill, aliens who are criminals, gang members, 
human traffickers, gun runners, you get the idea, aliens who are spies, terrorists, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, aliens who were previously deported, and then we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge, or aliens who, if they worked, would be displacing Americans, and at the least, if not costing Americans their jobs, suppressing the wages of Americans who are similarly employed. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep on walking. Keep on walking. We will obfuscate the issue. We will accuse you of being anti-immigrant when you simply say, let's be careful that we don't let criminals and terrorists into the United States. Let's make certain that Americans have opportunities to live the American dream in their own country if they're willing to study hard and work hard. Think of how many times you've heard from the politicians. Well, America is an exceptional country. Ted Cruz was good at that. Oh, the exceptionalism of America. And then Ted Cruz said we need to bring in the world's best and brightest so America can lead. So here's the question. If you believe in American exceptionalism, why do you need to bring in the world's best and brightest? If you believe in American exceptionalism, we already have a term for the world's best and brightest, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what that term is? Americans. It's Americans who first broke the sound barrier. Americans who've walked on the moon repeatedly and returned safely to the earth. And that happened more than 40 years ago, and no other country has yet accomplished anything close to that. It's America that sent space probes repeatedly past the orbit of Pluto. I can go down this whole list of Americans first. And when companies fire American high-tech workers and replace them with Indian workers, some of whom we've educated here because we have roughly a half million foreign students learning the STEM curriculum, science, technology, engineering, and math. How does that square with American exceptionalism? And the answer is it doesn't. But there's nothing to see here, folks. Keep on moving. Absolutely remarkable. It enrages me, and it should enrage you. And if the information that I'm about to discuss with you this evening infuriates you, and you find it as disconcerting as I do, I have a request. Being angry doesn't do a damn bit of good. Being angry doesn't do anything. Staying awake at night doesn't do anything except screw up your next day. I ask that you please reach out to your friends and your neighbors and your family members. And when people bring up the issue of immigration, politely, pointedly, fact-based arguments are essential from the opportunity to engage in a conversation. You know, when I was a kid, my parents said, we don't discuss religion and we don't discuss politics at parties. Let's, let me amend that. Religion, I agree. Whether you worship, how you worship, that's as private and personal a relationship as one could possibly have a relationship with God if you have such a relationship. But politics, ignorance is not bliss. We're being lied to by the media. Fake news is for real. And you know what? You're hearing it from the left now as well as from the right. Everyone has come to the same unsettling conclusion that the media is a bunch of garbage, trash, rubbish, worthless. Don't waste your time on it. It's toxic. It's fabrication. It's worse than the propaganda that was spewed by Pravda and his Vestia back when Russia was the Soviet Union. And if you watch Mr. Putin, he's trying to reconstitute the Soviet Union, by the way. So now the fake news story of the day is the possible collusion between Trump and the Russians. Um, the Democrats are in a tizzy because the Republicans won. 
Uh, I don't see heroes in either political parties, not as parties. Individuals, yes. Both parties stink. Both parties are into globalism, and this has been going on since Jimmy Carter, perhaps sooner. Both parties, both parties. You can't point to a president prior to Trump who wasn't a globalist. And that includes Ronald Reagan, who gave us the first amnesty, did not hire more agents for immigration, and then even included a confidentiality provision in the amnesty program so that immigration employees cannot share amnesty files with other law enforcement agencies without a signed federal court order from a federal judge. No other place in immigration do we see that. This was an open invitation for immigration fraud. And let's go back to what I said about immigration fraud, the key entry and abetting tactics of terrorists. Both parties did this to us, both parties. And so what I'm here trying to do is to give you the information that you're not going to see on the 6 o'clock or the 11 o'clock news, that you're not going to see in the 24-hour news cycle. There's much too much nonsense out there, and the issues are far too significant. Last week, I talked about the Enlist Act, H.R. 60, H.R. 60. It now has over 200 co-sponsors in the House of Representatives, politicians from both sides of the aisle, including some uh, supposedly conservative politicians who served with great distinction in our military. Now, I want to know when people say, well, this is a betrayal of the conservatives. I, I just saw an article and I'm still trying to run this to ground to see how accurate it is. But incredibly, apparently, according to um, Congressional Review, um, Daniel Horowitz is a senior editor there. Here's his headline, June 8th this year, Betrayal, Trump Grants Amnesty to 125,000 Illegals in Three Months. And those are the dreamers. We get all dewy-eyed when we hear about young people. That's a trap that we're falling into. I'm a parent. I have children. I have a granddaughter. I'm very concerned about very concerned about all children, but in particular American children. I don't care about race, religion, creed, ethnicity, kids or kids or kids. That said, that said, we have a severe problem with young people who are part of gangs like MS-13. We have a problem with people who come to America and then become terrorists. And we're going to talk about two situations that you need to know about. First of all, let's start out with terrorism. Let's start out with my latest article for Front Page Magazine. Here's the headline. Two alleged Hezbollah jihadists arrested in the United States. Immigration, and then a parenthesis, naturalization, was the key to their terrorist activities. Okay, so here's the story. Two terrorists, one Samir El-Debek, the other one, Ali Mohammed Korani, a.k.a. also known as Jacob Lewis, also known as Daniel. Multiple identities. To so a bad guy, a fresh identity is like putting on camouflage if you're a hunter or a soldier. It's a method of disguise. It's the chameleon changing color. It's the criminal or the terrorist changing identity. The 9-11 hijackers, according to the 9-11 Commission, in the aggregate, used 364 aliases or variations of aliases as they went about their deadly preparations. Multiple identities helped them to move without being tracked, helped to conceal their identities, helped to conceal their activities. Very dangerous. And so in New York City, 
The mayor of New York, Mayor de Blasio, has given hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens identity documents, municipal ID. The 9-11 Commission said that an identity document, a travel document in the hand of a terrorist is a weapon. How quickly have we forgotten 9-11? How quickly? Uh, It's just absolutely mind-boggling. So we look at the instant matter. And when you read through the article, and please go to frontpagemag.com, when you see my article, I ask that you post the link, look at other social media, forward emails to your friends. This is what I call my bucket brigade of truth, because no one is talking about this case. It blows my mind. I have the news on, and it's not on. These two guys were arrested and alleged to be sleepers operating in the United States. El Debek was arrested in Michigan, and Ali Muhammad Karani was arrested in New York City. Now, here's the thing for you to know. Karani, his family is closely linked, and both of these guys were born in Lebanon. By the way, a country known to be involved heavily with, with terrorism, Hezbollah, Hamas, ISIS, Al-Qaeda. And so Karani goes to terror training school. You know, the way we went to sleepaway camp as teenagers? Well, Karani's parents sent him to terror camp to learn how to use heavy military weaponry. Uh, Think now about H.R. 60, the Enlist Act. We will take illegal aliens who came here as kids and give them a pass to a green card if they agree to go into the military. So what are the crimes that both of these terror suspects are being charged with? Allegedly, they went and attended terror training camp in the Middle East to learn how to handle heavy weapons. So you now have members of Congress wanting to provide that sort of training here on our own military bases. Stop and think about that. In the case of, and when people will probably say to you, well, we're going to screen these people. They don't just put them into the military. So how good was the screening for Faisal, uh, uh, Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber? How careful was the screaming, the screening, it should be screaming, for um, the Tsarnaev brothers? The screening is next to worthless. We are clueless. We are flying blind in a storm. This is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous situation. So this guy, Karani, admitted during a deposition, according to the information contained in a federal complaint filed by the FBI, that he had attended terror training camp, and his parents were all for it because his parents in the Middle East, family members had been involved with attacks, and His brother's face, if I remember the article correctly, I'm doing this from memory, was the face basically of Hezbollah in the Middle East. They're that well-known, that well-known as being linked to a terror group. We couldn't figure it out, so we legally admitted him and his family. We couldn't figure it out. We gave him a green card. We couldn't figure it out. And when a handler at Hezbollah said to him, you know, it would be a really great thing if you could become an American citizen to make it easier for you to travel around the world and carry out missions for us. And when he went to naturalize, guess what? Nobody could figure it out. We're told that terrorists become terrorists because they live in poverty. We're told terrorists become terrorists because they're not integrated into society. And if only we would integrate them into society, the sun would shine and the guys will no longer need Viagra, right? We've heard these stories, haven't we? Now, yes, it's true when you have these little enclaves, and I've been all over the country, and I got a tour of the Somali community in Minnesota, and it is an enclave. They are cut off from everybody. Not a good situation. 
but Mr. Um, Ali Muhammad Korani was living in such poverty, think about this, that he graduated with a bachelor's degree in biomechanical engineering at the City College of New York, City University of New York, has a degree in biomechanical engineering. Went to the DeVry University and got an MBA. Does he sound disenfranchised to you? Does he sound like somebody with a bleak future in America? MBA in biomechanical engineering, MBA, Master of Business Associate, uh, Master of Business Administration um, from DeVry University. He has everything on paper that should provide him with a brilliant future. Uh, And City University, by the way, essentially free. You do pay tuition, but it's not much compared to what the Ivy League schools uh, expect. And you get a first-rate education. I went to part of the City University as well. I went to Brooklyn College as a kid. So understand he has a first-rate education in our country. And when they arrested him, it turned out that he and the other guy had been traveling around the world. They'd been to Panama doing surveillance on Americans and on Israelis, both individuals and facilities, traveled to, I believe it was Thailand, picked up chemicals in China. They'd been all over the world. This other guy, um, Samir El-Debek, said that he believed that the reason that he was recruited by Hezbollah was because he was already a dual national. Now, in establishing the fact that Hezbollah is is a terrorist organization, when you read the complaint, and I urge you to read it, you know, as a country, we have ADD. If it goes beyond the headline, everyone fogs over, they glaze over, oh, I can't be bothered. Folks, you've got to educate yourself. Your life hangs in the balance. The lives of your family, the lives of your children, if you're blessed to have kids, grandchildren, they're depending on you. Do your homework. Do your damn homework. Read the material. There's no cliff notes here. This is serious stuff. We're in the middle of a war, and we're being betrayed by idiots in Washington and in city halls and state capitals around the United States. And when they say, well, this is a conservative issue, I'm not a conservative on most issues. As an American, I hate labels. We are people. We're not conservatives. We're not liberals. We're goddamn Americans. And any rational American does not want to see another terrorist attack. Any rational American doesn't want to get hit over the head by someone desperate for money to feed a drug habit. Anybody who's a rational person doesn't want their kids going to school with gang members anyone who's a rational American. This isn't left or right. What bunk? More of the same garbage, more of the same lies. Divide and conquer. Let's spin off the liberals from the conservatives. Let's spin off the Latinos from everyone else. The Latino voter, that very concept is an exercise in bigotry and racism. You mean an American whose last name is Rodriguez wants something different from an American whose last name is Jackson or Smith or Goldstein? Are you kidding me? Does it get any dumber than that? This is profiling and bigotry. It should be illegal, but you've got the pollsters out there, and they're there with their magic markers and all these fancy charts and graphs trying to make bullshit look like science. Well, it's still bullshit. I don't care how many colored markers they use. This is a divide-and-conquer strategy. Let's get over it. We're smarter than that. We're Americans. You look at what we're looking at, 
And in that complaint that you so much need to read, and the links are all there, what I include in my articles are links. I want you to see the evidence. I don't just get there and spew. As an agent, I had to gather the evidence if I wanted to put the bad guys in jail, and I was quite successful at putting bad guys in jail. But you don't do it by spewing nonsense. You have to have hard, cold, irrefutable facts, and that's what my articles provide you with. Please, it's frustrating. Sometimes people send me an email and say, your emails are too long. Your articles are too long. Well, these are people who probably relied on cliff notes when they went to college, if they went to college. I'm sorry. We have got to read the material. We've got to do our homework. We need to really understand the issues. And when you look at the material in that federal complaint signed by the FBI agent who handled this investigation, they talked about other members of Hezbollah. And the one thing that they all had in common, at least the ones that were cited in that federal complaint, were that they were dual nationals. And the other country, whether it was Sweden, whether it was Canada, whether it was France, um, Canadians are exempt visas as tourists, and Sweden and France are visa waiver countries. This is about easy entry to America. Understand the nexus between immigration and terrorism, and suddenly you will wake up and say, my God, what are these idiots in Washington doing? What in the world are they doing? I ask myself that question every night, especially the nights when I find it impossible to sleep. Having lived through 9-11, having seen what it did, I have to tell you, Americans might be exceptional, but our politicians have become exceptionally corrupt and exceptionally stupid. You know, I believe it was Karl Marx who said the capitals will sell you the rope with which you will hang them. There is a fire sale on rope going on right now in Washington. There is a fire sale on rope. And we have to end this madness. We have to vote these people out of power. We have to call them. And if you go to that link that I gave you to HR 60, it gives you each and every name and each and every contact information for each and every one of those members of Congress who are co-sponsoring HR 60. You know what? Every day, pick up a cup of coffee and sit there on your phone and call their offices. And if they ask you if you're a constituent, you can tell them, that their decision, especially on this legislation, would devastate all of America. So, yeah, I am a constituent. If you allow a terrorist into the United States, they have free reign throughout the entire United States of America. And if you put illegal aliens in the military and provide them with opportunities for military training and opportunities to carry out insider assassinations of soldiers on our bases around the United States, then you damn well better believe that we are all constituents of these individuals who are supposedly representing America and Americans and defending the Constitution on our behalf. This is serious. It doesn't get any more serious than that. So look at this case. These two guys become naturalized citizens. They then use it as an embedding tactic to be sleeper agents, waiting for the phone call, waiting for the tap on the shoulder, waiting for the coded email to arrive to call them into action. So now we have the link with terrorism. Now let's turn to something else. H.R. 60 and gangs. There were two hearings held this past week, one in the House, one in the Senate, about MS-13. You should know I began investigating MS-13 about a quarter of a century ago. It was a small problem. By not so benign neglect of our government, by the Clinton administration, 
by the George W. Bush administration and certainly by the Obama administration. We took basically a pimple and turned it into a tumor. MS-13 is arguably the most violent and most pernicious and most worrisome of all transnational gangs now operating in the United States. On June 20th, 2017, the House Homeland Security Committee Subcommittee on Counterterrorism and Intelligence conducted a hearing on the topic, combating gang violence on Long Island, shutting down the MS-13 pipeline. For the record, that pipeline runs across the U.S.-Mexican border. You know, the border that Congress won't vote to close down? That border. What's interesting? What came out during the hearing is that since the surge of unaccompanied minors in 2014, the gift that keeps on giving from one Barack Hussein Obama, that population of MS-13 has skyrocketed through the stratosphere. On Long Island, we've had well over a dozen teenage children bludgeoned to death, most of them members of the ethnic immigrant community. Yet when you talk about enforcing immigration law, oh, You must be bigoted against Latinos. My God, this is insanity. Teenage children beaten, clubbed, stabbed, raped. Because we won't enforce the immigration laws. This is insanity. This is suicide by our own leaders. Sanctuary cities that won't work cooperatively with immigration authorities. We need new laws. No, they don't with immigration and customs enforcement. And they have a spinoff division, Homeland Security Investigations. Now, how did that happen? George W. Bush started and Barack Obama expanded it. Let's get the word immigration out of interior enforcement. Because HSI, Homeland Security Investigations, is simply a division of immigration and customs enforcement. They have separate badges, separate credentials, separate signage in their offices, separate raid jackets. They spend bucks on this, mega bucks, new badges, new credentials, new everything. Why? Get immigration out of the title. Homeland Security Investigation, de-emphasize immigration. In fact, when I sat at a hearing 44 months after 9-11, there was a very courageous, moral leader, chairman of of the House Immigration Subcommittee, a gentleman by the name of John Hostetler. He's no longer in Congress, and I worked closely. He invited me to testify at, I think, at least eight or nine hearings. And he spoke at that hearing and said that the way that ICE was created under the Department of Homeland Security by the Bush administration made it impossible to secure our borders or enforce our immigration laws, even though that was the goal of the Homeland Security Act that was the enabling legislation that created the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, an agency that's so screwed up that I call it the Department of Homeland Surrender. And you should know that Hostetler is a Republican speaking out against a Republican president. Of course, he's not in Congress anymore, and you have to wonder how that happened. You have to wonder how that happened. Because that's how strong this push for globalism is. And look what happened in England with Brexit. People are waking up. Perhaps not fast enough, but they're starting to understand that without sovereign borders, you can't defend a nation or its people. And that was the point that John Hostetler made at that hearing. 
So we have that hearing conducted on Long Island because that's where the carnage has been taking place. And what was remarkable was Congressman Peter King, who chairs the subcommittee, talked about, and other people talked about how MS-13 is now recruiting in the schools. They're going into the schools and using violence and the threat of violence to take kids who are terrified and give them an option. What's the option? Come join us. Become one of us. See, it's like the Borg. Resistance is futile. You either join us or we kill you. You either join us or we rape you. You, you know, and, and so it goes. What I wish Mr. King, and I've, I've met him, I know Peter King. I think he wants to do the right thing, but it leaves me shaking my head. He's, he's one of the co-sponsors of HR6. If you're worried about terror, about the gang members, recruiting in the schools, why don't you think it's happening in the military? This is crazy stuff, you see? So we have a very serious problem. And, and in, in fact, there have been reports written. And, and let me just quote one report for you. The 2015 National Gang Report prepared by the National Gang Intelligence Center. This is a government arm. This isn't, you know, some supermarket tabloid. This is an official arm of the government that is study. And, and, and this quote is enough to keep you awake at night if you don't have a flatline EEG, but if you are capable of fogging a mirror. Now, here's the quote. Military-trained gang members pose a serious threat to law enforcement and to the public. They learn combat tactics in the military and then return home to utilize those new skills against rival gangs or law enforcement. Military training of individual gang members could ultimately result in more sophisticated and deadly gangs, as well as deadly assaults on law enforcement officers. So I I want you to think about what that says. The fact that gang members go into the military and then they learn how to be more efficient killers. Is this not insanity? You see, and and this is something that nobody seems to want to talk about. Why in the world don't anybody, don't our politicians see the dangers that they're creating? And and look at the insider attacks. Again, this isn't fantasy. This is not fantasy. Time and again, you've seen in the Middle East where individuals got onto military bases, went through training for what purpose? So they could kill the soldiers on the bases. Let me read you, read to you. Three headlines that recently appeared. April 22nd, 2017, the New York Times reported. You ready for this one? Fasten your seatbelts, folks. Not pretty. Not a pretty image. This is the New York Times, 22nd this year. Here's the headline. A shortage of coffins after Taliban slaughter unarmed soldiers. How's that for an image or a quote? June 17, 2017, the Military Times reports, quote, another insider attack in Afghanistan leaves seven Americans wounded. June 17, CBS reporting on the same story, at least seven soldiers wounded after Afghan soldier opens fire. Now, here is the sentence at the conclusion of CBS News. Here it comes. Last week, three U.S. soldiers were killed by an Afghan soldier in eastern Nangarhar province. In that case, Mujahid claimed 
that the shooter was a Taliban loyalist who infiltrated the army specifically, specifically to seek out opportunities to attack foreign soldiers. Think about that. June 17th, New York Times article. Let me continue reading. In two episodes in March, a total of 11 American soldiers were wounded by Afghan soldiers in green-on-blue attacks in Helmand province in southern Afghanistan, according to Afghan officials. Nonetheless, the incidence of such attacks has decreased greatly as American and other foreign forces have declined from a peak of 150,000 soldiers to about 14,000. So why has the numbers gone down? Because our numbers have gone down. Our footprint is smaller. Fewer opportunities, okay? In 2012, one-fourth of all coalition killings were carried out by Afghan insiders, according to the American military officials. One-fourth of all fatalities happened because of insider attacks. And we are going to put illegal aliens into our military. These are people who entered the United States with Bekshin. Stop this nonsense about undocumented. That's a make-believe word that Jimmy Carter concocted to confound the American public. They are uninspected. We can't verify their names, perhaps even their countries of citizenship, when, where, how, or why they entered. And if we don't know that, we don't know who they're associated with, and we certainly don't have a crystal ball to know what their ultimate plans are. So understand that. Let me read that sentence again. In 2012, one-fourth of all coalition killings were carried out by Afghan insiders, according to American military officials. Think about that. It goes on and says this. The 209th Corps has been particularly troubled this year, and in April was the scene of Afghan military's biggest single loss of life in the past 16 years when Taliban infiltrators entered Camp Shaheen and killed more than 160 soldiers, many of them unarmed. You think that it would be difficult to carry out a similar attack here? What happened at Fort Hood? Are we that stupid? Are we suffering that, from that short a memory? Understand what we're talking about. This is not about being anti-immigrant, folks. I'm not telling you don't let anybody into the United States. Far from it. As an inspector, I welcomed thousands of new immigrants, thousands of foreign visitors. As an adjudicator, I approved applications for green cards when people fulfill the letter and spirit of our laws to come here to share the American dream, to experience our freedoms and become part of this great tapestry that we call America. I'm all for it. But we are living in the middle of a perilous, and you have members of the United States Congress who should be reading these reports. They probably are partying, probably out there campaign fundraising, because that's a hell of a lot more important, isn't it? Because if they read this, I want to know how in the world you could allow foreign nationals to join our military when we know the vetting process is obviously fatally flawed. That's what we're talking about. Why isn't this being connected in the mainstream media? Because the push is for globalism. I'm not just spouting and, and, and giving you generalities. We hear that all the time on all sorts of programs. I'm giving you hard facts, hard, irrefutable facts. 
facts that nobody can argue against. And you see, that's why the mainstream media doesn't want people like Mike Cutler to go on the show, because if we come on the program, we start talking about this, their little game will be ruined. Their game will be ruined. How many members of MS-13 have turned out to be dreamers, have been involved with senseless deaths here in America? So now we're going to take the same batch and give them free access to our military. And you know what's so remarkable? Under Title 18, United States Code, Section 922G, I'm very familiar with that law because I made lots of arrests, an illegal alien found in possession of ammunition, let alone a gun, is committing a felony. I believe they've actually bumped up the penalty to 10 years in jail. The first arrest I made for that violation, I arrested a Jamaican drug dealer, and believe it or not, on a consent search that stood up in court, I took five weapons out of his house, including a sawed-off shotgun and a carbine, and I also recovered the box of a handgun that had been used in the shooting of a police officer. Thankfully, he survived the attack. But the box had the serial number of the gun. When we traced that serial number, it came back to the gun that was recovered at a, at a crime scene that had been used against a police officer. And back then, it was a two-year felony for an illegal to have a firearm. Then it went to five years. If I'm not mistaken, it has been bumped up to 10 years. These are serious crimes. So we're going to give illegal aliens who would otherwise be subject to criminal prosecution and a 10-year jail sentence, we're going to give them not only weapons, but the world's best training in the use of weapons and tactics. This makes sense to you. I'd recommend that you get psychiatric treatment quickly, quickly. In the late 70s, early 80s, we came upon, and when I say we, it was myself and the New York City Police Department that arrested the maid, and we wound up creating an ad hoc task force. Not official, didn't have a big sign on the door, but every day I hooked up with members of the New York City Police Department, ATF, and what was then Naval Intelligence, with my boss's blessings, by the way. And what we found out was this. Recruiters working for the Navy, and specifically the Marine Corps, were not meeting their recruitment quotas. And so to meet their numbers, in some instances, they provided fake ID to illegal aliens. And not from Mexico. This business about Mexico has got to stop. They were from the Caribbean, from Trinidad, from Barbados, from Jamaica, and from Panama. And these guys were here illegally. They went through military training, and some completed the training. Others couldn't wait. AWOL, they stole weapons once they had their training. Some of these guys actually completed training and were also part of this. And they took the weapons from the armories, and they were carrying out commando-style bank robberies all over New York City. They'd enter a bank and announce their presence by shooting people. We were literally following a trail of blood. Should be a lesson in that. You don't put people on military bases and give them weapons without being able to verify who the hell they are. This isn't brilliant. This isn't a novelty. This is common sense. And now we look at the insider attacks, and they've been going on for years. You now have, last count, 203 nearly half of the United Congress co-sponsoring legislation that would enable potentially terrorists and gang members to get easy access to our military bases. Does this get any dumber than that? 
does it get any more dangerous than that? Why in the world are we doing this? See, the idea that these are children, these poor dreamers, we've got to treat them differently, and if they don't have criminal histories. So let me dispel a myth for you about criminal histories. I'm sure you don't know this. Under our laws, you are innocent until proven guilty, as it should be, as it should be. But if, and you know, when I worked with Al D'Amato to create the aggravated felon reentry law that makes unlawful reentry by an aggravated felon, a criminal, 20-year maximum penalty, the law is very careful. And you only qualify under that statute if, unless you've confessed to it, if you've been convicted. Now, I don't know how many of you remember John Gotti, the Dapper Don, the Teflon Don. He was arrested numerous times, and every time they arrested him, he managed to beat the conviction. And then he would go back to the Ravenite Social Club in Queens. Uh, was it Little Italy? I forget, because he, he had operations in both Little Italy and Manhattan and also in Queens, and shoot off fireworks, and everybody would come out to celebrate because the Dapper Don beat the system again. Until you are convicted, if you are an alien in the United States, you are not considered an aggravated felon without a conviction because a felon has to have a conviction. How many times did I find illegal aliens hanging out at locations involving illegal gambling, illegal well, prostitution, obviously illegal, um, or, or, or involved with drugs? But if they had no convictions, Nobody could charge them, but I could. So what we would do is if we raided a house of prostitution, if we raided the illegal gambling houses, that particularly applied to Chinese. Again, not just Mexicans. If we arrested somebody at a location where drugs were involved, even if there was no proof that the guy participated in the illicit activity, they were hanging out there. We would arrest them. If they were here illegally, we would remove them from the United States. They would be deported. What this did was to put pressure on, those, on the illegal alien population to keep them away from houses of prostitution and drugs and gambling. Why? To try to destroy those criminal enterprises by choking off their potential clients. And it worked. We put many houses of prostitution out of business by showing up and arresting the clientele. And if the the women were working there, and they were here illegally. If the cops wanted to prosecute them, they did. Generally, they didn't. We were just happy to deport them. It became a risky proposition, and immigration made it a risky proposition. That's smart law enforcement. It's like Al Capone going to jail for tax evasion, even though he was a bootlegger and a murderer and an extortionist, and the list goes on. The accolades go on. What did him in? Tax evasion. If you can get a terrorist off the street because of immigration law violations, then do it. Now, I don't remember if I mentioned it on my show earlier. I certainly mentioned it earlier today when I was on with my friend Bobby Gunther Walsh, who does a program um, in, in uh, Pennsylvania. And I'm going to be on tomorrow with my good friend Neil Young up at the WEZS at, uh, I think, 1010 tomorrow morning Eastern time. And I've been talking about this quite frequently. There's a movie that's out now. Interesting film. I recommend you watch it, although I have no use for Hollywood per se. There are some decent people in Hollywood, people like uh, Robert Duvall. I had the privilege of having dinner with him a couple of times. 
a real great American, real nice guy, very down to earth, very unassuming. But, you know, when you listen to Johnny Depp and, 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 and all these other clowns uh, about violence against the president and so forth, I, I have no use for them. But Tom Hanks just did a movie, uh, Bridge of Spies, and it's about Rudolf Abel, the Russian spy who winds up getting swapped for Francis Gary Powers. Very good uh, recreation of that whole event that took place in 1960, thereabouts. I recommend you watch the film. And it, it happens quickly. You have to pay attention. But the way that the FBI was able to arrest the Russian spy was because he violated immigration law. That was the hook that they hung their hat on. Violate immigration laws. And that's what enabled them to be taken into custody. And immigration agents were involved with the arrest, although, of course, in the movies that doesn't get shown because the Bureau likes to take credit for what they do. I had a desk at the Bureau. Some of my best friends were Bureau agents, but they have an interesting way of doing business. What can I say? But, but the point of the matter is, watch the movie, and you'll realize that America was able to neutralize a Russian agent because of his violation of immigration law. This is not minor law. They want you to believe this is insignificant. It's not basic fundamental law. Every country needs to be able to secure their borders or they have no legitimate need for military. The military's mission is to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. But up close and in person, that job gets taken over by the Border Patrol, the inspectors at the ports of entry, and the special agents of ICE. That's how serious this is. But everyone says, oh, there's nothing to see here, folks. Oh, these poor people, their children, they came as kids. Their parents dragged them here. Their parents dragged them here. And they could apply as dreamers as long as they say, I got here before I was 16. They could be 28, 29, 30 years old. Oh, I just remembered I've been here since I was a kid. And then we open up the doors for them. And if the article in Congressional Review is right, I'm sorry, Conservative Review is right, and President Trump is continuing Obama's policy. I hope it's not the case, because that would be infuriating. We have got to stop thinking about the age of the people when the potential exists that we're dealing with terrorists and gang members. There are children soldiers in Africa, kids seven, eight years old, running around with rifles, killing the enemy. And if they don't kill the enemy, they get killed. There's an incentive. This is war. There's no rules here, folks. There's no rules for a terrorist that could take a truck and run over a bunch of children or, 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 or blow up a concert for, for little girls. There are no rules. There, there is no Geneva Convention here. <laughs> There's nothing gentlemanly or moral about any of this. This is madness. And, and we're still standing there playing games. This is kind of like what happened during the American Revolution. The Brits in their bright red uniforms, and by the way, they wore red so that if they were shot, their compatriots wouldn't see the blood, which might panic them. So there come the redcoats, and they march in a single line, and what they presented was a huge target, and there's the Americans using guerrilla tactics, hiding in the bushes and taking them out. But the Brits stood there in a line, you know, keeping their stiff upper lip, and they got mowed down. The rules of engagement in a war on terror are not the same as you see in conventional warfare. It's asymmetrical warfare, and it's far and away different from anything 
um, that we've ever experienced on our soil before, and we need to adjust our tactics accordingly. The hour has gone fast. I appreciate that you spent this hour with me. Please, I ask you, go to frontpagemag.com, read my article about the two terrorist suspects who were arrested, read the article that I provided the link to H.R. 60, talking about, you know, compassion, so-called. This, suicide is not compassion, okay? Compassion is taking care of your own children and your own citizens first. Compassion America desperately needs. That article, by the way, was with compassion endangers national security, the landmines, the landmines of illegal aliens entering military service. That was that other article, frontpagemag.com. Again, I, I thank you for being here with me. And remember, folks, please get involved. Forward my podcast, the links. Forward my articles, whatever you're able to forward to as many people as possible, social media, emails. you got the choice. Just be part of my bucket brigade of truth. Because as I always like to point out, democracy is not a spectator sport. I hope you have a terrific weekend. I hope I've given you food for thought. I look forward to seeing you again right here next week, same time, on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long.